Yeah, so I'm, I'm super, super grateful uh, to be here this morning with you guys, to be, to be joining you. Um, like, like Tim said, I'm, I'm from Northgate, uh, where Ken Jensen, who uh, I guess 26 years ago, uh, left here as, as a church plant and went and planted the church. And I've heard bits and pieces of the legacy and the faith uh, story that Bethel has, and I'm, I'm excited and honored to be here in the room with you guys uh, and sharing with you this morning, uh, the first morning after Easter. Um, and as, as I was kind of reflecting on uh, the Easter season and kind of what that means, uh, a thought crossed my mind and a question crossed my mind that I want to propose to you guys this morning. And the question is this, is can you imagine what it felt like for the disciples, for the early church the first couple weeks after Jesus had come back from the dead and then ascended to heaven, can you imagine what the conversations were like that they would have with one another as they were sitting down around a meal or just hanging out in someone's living room or talking? Can, can you imagine what they would think as they would, as they would go and they would, they would share their meals and they would talk about the stories that Jesus told and talk about the parables and what that meant? And as they kind of put the pieces together that, man, this is, this is world-changing, this idea that, that God came to the earth in human flesh, and as that began to sink in is who Jesus really was and what that really meant for them moving forward in their life, I'm sure they had moments where they sat around and they asked each other, man, how did we get here? Like, how did God choose us? How did, why did Jesus choose us? How did we get here? And then, and then where are we going? Like, where are we going next from here? Like, how did God use us and get us to be at this point and then what's next for the future and as they talked about these things and as they had faith i'm sure they they asked each other that question or questions similar to it as they talked about the words that jesus shared and the works and the miracles that they saw jesus do and as they then read their old testament uh, or, or our old testament their bible and as they read that and they pieced things together that man this Jesus, who was a friend of ours, who was our leader, who was our shepherd, man, this is life-changing. And, and how did we get here, and where are we going? And that's a question that I like to ask um, oftentimes as I read different stories or as I see my faith, faith story. I like to ask this question, how did I get here, and where am I going? How did I get here, and where am I going? Because I think this question uh, is an interesting one. Because it can be asked wherever you're at, right? If you're at a moment where you've made mistakes and you've kind of messed things up, and it can be a, oh, how did I get here, right? It can be a face-to-palm moment, but it can also be a hands-up in celebrating, God, what, have you, what an awesome work you've done. God, how did I get here? I'm so grateful for this. And I'm sure over the past year and over the course of your life, you've had moments where you've had the face-to-palm Oh, I've made the same mistake again. Oh, I've lost my temper. Oh, I've gotten upset. Man, how did I get here? Or you've had that moment where you've, you've been so excited about what you've seen God do in your life where you've put your hands up in praise and you said, God, how did I get here? I remember my senior year of high school, um, I had a, one of the uh, maybe face-to-palm how-did-I-get-here moments where I was face-to-face with my mistakes and I was face-to-face with my guilt, and I was face-to-face with my punishment. Um, it was senior year of high school, and it was second semester, the time of year um, where seniors uh, get a little angsty, right? I had already been accepted to college. I was ready to go to college, and I was just done with high school. I was just done. I didn't want to be there anymore. I was just ready to have fun. I wanted my summer. I wanted to have a, and, and my, I had a buddy, Luke, who was in the same boat as me, and we were both just angsty and ready to be fun and ready to be outside. And I remember one day we were having a conversation in a study hall or something like that, and we were talking. We're like, man, 
wouldn't it be funny if one of us, like, or maybe we put a microphone or something up in the, up in the drop ceiling of our, of our school and then put the ceiling tile back in. And when the teacher came in, you were like talking to him and he couldn't hear you and he wouldn't know where you were. And he turned around and he looked for the student and they wouldn't be there. And, and so we have this idea and we think, oh, that'd be funny, but probably never happened. Well, a few weeks later, sure enough, teacher comes in the classroom. He says, hey, I left my book in my car. Here's a worksheet. You guys fill this out. Um, I'm going to go to my car for like 15 minutes. I'll be back. You guys get this done. Me and Luke look, look at each other, make eye contact. We're like, yep, now's our time. So we stand up, we go to the back of the room, and we get on this table, this big heavy oak table, and I take a ceiling tile out, and I'm a big guy, so I, wasn't the, so I boost Luke up in the ceiling, and Luke's up in the drop ceiling, like on the support beams, right, like this, kind of like tucked in there, and I'm putting the ceiling tiles back in. The plan's working great, it's going to be hilarious, it's going to be super funny. I'm putting one ceiling tile back in, put the other ceiling tile back in, and as I'm getting the last ceiling tile back in, Luke's foot slips off the beam and breaks the ceiling tile in half. And I'm left standing there like Moses with the Ten Commandments as my teacher walks back in the room. Man, how did I get here, right? Face to face. Like, you're so dumb, Jerry. Like, why were you doing that? That's not a smart. And I'm standing there face to face with my guilt and my mistakes and face to face with my consequences. And he, sure enough, a couple minutes later, all right, get him out of the ceiling. So I'm trying to get Luke out of the ceiling. Um, and we actually have a picture of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's trying to get, I'm trying to get Luke out of the ceiling, and Luke's coming out of the ceiling, and then do we have the next one? Is there another one in there? Um, yeah, and so he's coming out of the ceiling, and as Luke's like crawling down my back, and I'm having, sure enough, the principal walks in the door with my friend half in the ceiling and half out, and again, how did I get here? Right? And this is a story that I can laugh about. Right? I can look back and I can laugh at this story and I can joke about it and it's not that serious. But there have been moments where my temper, where my passions, uh, where my actions, where my want to have fun and not thinking about the consequences have got me into moments where I say, man, how did I get here? And those moments are not moments I look back and laugh at, but they're moments I look back and regret. And there are moments, I'm sure in your past year, where you've had moments and you've said, man, how did I find myself in this circumstance? How did I find myself in this place? How did I find myself making the same decision over and over and over again? Man, how did I get here? Where am I going and what's next? But these moments aren't always bad. There are definitely moments in our lives and definitely moments in my life where I've said, man, God, how did I get here? How did you place me in this circumstance? God, how am I so blessed that you've chosen me to do this? I remember I've had a few of those moments this past year. I had um, the opportunity to lead a middle school and high school uh, summer camp where we took um, a bunch of students down to L.A. and had summer camp, and it was great and it was exciting. But the coolest part was? There were over 15 students that gave their life to Christ for the first time. And I remember driving home being like, how did I get here? And then later that, later that, uh, a few months later, we had a baptism service at our church that was just for the youth. And we baptized 12 students. And I remember driving home after hearing story after story after story of student that said, I want to go with Jesus for the rest of my life. I remember driving home that day, man, how did I get here? Like, how did that kid who was in high school putting his friends in the roof, like, get to a point where God can use him for kingdom purposes and kingdom work? Man, how did I get here? God, you're so good. I'm excited for what you have in the future, right? And I'm sure many of you over the past year have had those moments, have had those exciting moments of, God, how did I get here and where am I going? And that's, that's kind of um, what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about this idea of how did I get here and where am I going? At Northgate, um, we have a value that's called people in process. And simply put, this means that whether you're on cloud nine and you're reading your Bible and you open it and it seems alive and it seems exciting, or whether you're down in the dump struggling with the same problem you've struggled with for years, wherever you're at in your faith journey, no one is ever too far from or outgrows grace. 
No one is ever too far from or outgrows grace. Um, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about that process of faith. And I want to talk about that process by examining um, someone, one of the early followers of Jesus, maybe one of the first people who actually went to Jesus and put their faith in Jesus and said, Jesus, I have a problem. I have a, a situation where I can say, how did I get here? And I don't know where I'm going. And she went to Jesus and she gave Jesus her problem, and she took a sip of faith to Jesus. And this morning, I want to talk about Mary's process of faith. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how it is that she came to actually take a step of faith toward Jesus, her son, and believe in him. So that's where we're going this morning. But before we do, I want to pray, and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much that you love each and every one of us. God, I thank you so much that you love us wherever we're at in our process of faith. God, I thank you so much that you care for us and that you want what's best for us. And God, as we lean into Mary's process of faith, God, I pray that you would open our eyes, God, to how that applies to our process of faith. And would you encourage us this morning, God? Thank you so much in your name. Amen. So Mary's process of faith is undoubtedly a little bit unique, right? Undoubtedly a little bit different than most of ours because not many of us are giving birth to Jesus, right? Um, but Mary's process of faith, simply put, begins with a promise. It begins with a promise. Mary received a promise. Mary received a promise, and the promise that she received, um, we actually can read in Luke uh, 1, 29 through 31. An angel of God came to Mary um, and said this. It's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read it here. It says this. Mary, you have found favor with God, and you will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you will have, uh, and you will have to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. His kingdom will never end. That's an awesome promise, right? That's an awesome promise that Mary's receiving. That's exciting. She gets to be a part of God bringing redemption to the world, a part of God bringing love to the world. She gets to be the, the, the mother of, of God in flesh. Like, that's an awesome promise. But there's an unwritten part of this promise that is equal parts terrifying. As awesome as that promise is, there's an unwritten part that's equal parts terrifying. And that part is, is if she's going to give birth to a son, well, she's got to get pregnant before then. And... She hasn't ever been with a man. She's a virgin, and she's also engaged. And if she's pregnant, like, how's, how's Joseph going to agree with that? How, what, what are, what's her family going to say? Mary doesn't know that later in the story, God's going to send an angel to Joseph, and God's going to send an angel to some of Mary's family members. Mary doesn't know that. Mary just knows that, man, there's a promise, and there's fear, and there's doubt. But nonetheless, Mary's response is this. Luke 1, 30, 35. I am the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled. You see, Mary holds her reputation. Mary holds her life. Mary holds her future with an open hand. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled. Whatever you want. Now the rest of the story unfolds, and we know in, in context, we know in context that God does, in fact, not let her down. We know that God does go to Joseph and sends an angel to Joseph. And we know that God does go to some of Mary's family members and sends an angel and says, hey, the story that she's going to tell you isn't made up. And God doesn't let her down. But Mary's process of faith begins with the receiving a promise. Receiving a promise for a better future, no matter what current circumstances look like. 
Um, and, then, and then we see the Christmas story unfolding. We see the beautiful Christmas story unfolding, and we see all that God has in that story. And it's, it's amazing, but I don't need to go over that now. But we can kind of fast forward and skip to the next time that we see uh, Mary and Jesus interact. The next time that we see Mary and Jesus interact um, is at the temple, right? Is at the temple um, when the, the Jewish tradition of the day was that all of the families would gather together. All of the families in the town would gather together, and they would go down uh, to the temple in Jerusalem for Passover. And that wasn't where Mary and Joseph lived. They lived in another town. So they would get all of their family member and maybe up to a couple hundred people would all travel together. They'd go in a group and they would go down and they would celebrate this religious festival um, with meals and with worship and with teachings and with all kinds of uh, sacrifices and different things like that. And then they would, after a couple days being there, they would go back home. And they would take a, take a journey back home. And it was a couple-day journey um, where they'd be staying in tents, where they'd be staying, um, walking all day and sleeping in tents at night and walking all day and sleeping. Um, and again, a lot of people there. Well, they go down, Mary and Joseph go down with Jesus, and they do their thing. And then they're, they get everybody together, and they're on their way back. And they're on their way back, and they're three days into the journey. And I picture the conversation with something like this uh, between Mary and Joseph. Mary says, hey, um, Joseph, have you seen Jesus in a few days? Joseph and Mary's like, no, I, th- I think he's with the cousins. And Mary's like, oh, I think he's with the friends. And then they go and they start looking around and they see grandma. And he's not with grandma. And they see um, the aunts and uncles and he's not with them. And they see the friends and he's not with them. And they look all across the whole camp. And then they come together and they say, oh, how did we get here, right? We must have left Jesus back at the temple. So they realize that they lost Jesus. So they get their stuff together and they hike back to the temple. Um, and, and true story, I got left at my church one time. Um, my, my parents were very involved in the church, and so they would often show up in two different cars um, because they would serve on different teams and then they would leave. Well, one Sunday, um, I don't know what I was doing, probably playing hide-and-go-seek with some of my friends, and I'm hiding and I'm hiding, and then I come out of hiding and the whole church is empty. And it's a church about this size, and there's no one there. And I'm walking through the halls, and the lights are off, and I'm scared, and I'm nervous. And my parents find me crying in the stairwell, right? But Jesus was a little bit different. They didn't find Jesus crying in the stairwell. When they found Jesus, Jesus actually said this uh, to, to his parents. Um, he said in Luke 2, 49 through 52, he said, Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying. Then they went down to Nazareth. And he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And that last part, that last verse, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I I've, I've grew up in church and I've heard that song. There was even a little song, that, or I've heard that verse, and there was a song that we sang, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And, and there was this song, and I knew it and I've heard it my whole life. But, but recently, uh, a few months ago, I read this verse, and idea, an idea crossed my mind. What does it look like for Mary to see Jesus grow in favor with God? Mary got a firsthand seat to watch Jesus as he understood and grew in his understanding of why he was here on earth. As his, as his child brain developed into a middle school brain and developed into a high school brain and developed into a college brain, Mary got to see that. She got to see something different. And that's the next step in Mary's process of faith is that she saw something different. Mary saw something that was different in Jesus. She saw that he had a different relationship with God than anyone she'd ever seen before. She saw that he had that he had some power, something that was about him. She didn't know fully what it was, but she saw something different and she treasured those things in her heart. She kept them close, she locked them away, she reflected on them and she remembered them. Mary received a promise. Mary saw some things that were different. 
And then that leads us to our final step in Mary's process of faith was when Mary chose to take a step out. Was when Mary chose to take a step out in faith. And the story of Mary taking her first step of faith is found in John 2, um, where... um, Jesus turns water into wine, and I'd encourage you to read that story this week. It's a great story. I love the whole chapter, uh, the, whole, the whole book of John, but in, in particular, the first couple chapters as they unfold who Jesus was and what his ministry on earth here was about. Um, but for our purposes right now, I'm just going to fly over it really quick and tag some of the big details. And the first detail that we see in the story is that Mary and Jesus are invited to a wedding, and the disciples are there too. Now, the disciples were from a different town as Mary, um, and from a different town as Jesus, and, and, but, but nonetheless, they were invited to this wedding. Mary and Jesus were invited to a wedding, and the disciples were there too. Now, so pause. What's this tell us? Well, uh, my roommate, John, is uh, the worship leader um, in, at Northgate uh, for our Vallejo campus, and he's a great guy. He's a close friend of mine. We're, we live together, um, have lived together for a couple years, and, and we're, we're, we're really good friends. I'm, I'm actually in the wedding, and I've been given a plus one to the wedding because we're close. Now... Mary and Jesus are given a plus disciples, 12 disciples. How close do you have to be to get a plus 12 to a wedding? Okay, now that's a silly example, but the point is this, is that Mary is super close. Mary is super close to the bride and the groom at this wedding. So that's the first detail we see, um, is that Mary is very close. And then the next detail um, we see, the next thing that we see is that they've run out of wine is that at this party that's usually a week-long festival um, of, of food and merriment and just a good time and a celebration, they've ran out of wine. Now, in our culture and society, if you have some people over and it's a Friday night and you have a bottle of wine and, and, and you run out of wine, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing. It's a little bit taboo. You run out of wine, you run out of food. It's like, ah, but I'll just run to the grocery store and I'll pick up some new stuff. I'll just, you know, call the pizza and have a pizza delivered or something, right? But in that culture, if you ran out of wine, wine was a symbol of peace and prosperity. They would put wine in their water because there was bacteria in the water and the alcohol had to kill it. So you really, if you ran out of wine, you had nothing to drink, not even water to stay alive, right? You needed wine. And, and to start a wedding with no peace, with no prosperity, man, that's a bad look. And so in the air, there's shame. In the air, there's anxiety. In the air, there's tension. Mary had a plan. Mary thought she had enough. Mary thought, there, and, and, and suddenly, oh, how did we get here? How did we find ourselves in this circumstance? How did we find ourselves in this place? Man, what are we going to do? Where are we going from here? And then she sees Jesus. And maybe she remembers the promise that she received, that Jesus is the son of the most high, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus has something special. about. And then she, she may reflect on the things that she saw that were different, the prayers that may have been answered of Jesus, the relationship, and so, and so she thinks, well, maybe, may, maybe Jesus can do something about this. So she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, this is our problem. Jesus says, she says, this is, this is where we found ourselves. This is the shame and the anxiety and the stress and the tension. Jesus, this is where we're at. And Jesus doesn't give her, give her a straight yes or a straight no, but nonetheless, she says, okay, that's my request. And she leaves it at Jesus' feet and she walks away. And she leaves it there and she tells the servants, do whatever he tells you, places her request there. And then the last verse uh, that we see, uh, uh, well, and then, and then we see um, what actually happens. is Jesus then actually does come through and turns the water into wine in his first miracle. In his first miracle, and then the last verse, we see this. It says, John 2, uh, 12 says this. This is the first of the miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and the disciples 
put their faith in him. And the disciples put their faith in him. You see, Jesus was glorified and honored, and people came to know him and came to put their faith in him because Mary chose to take a step out in faith. You see, Mary remembered the promises that she'd received. She reflected on the things that she had seen that were different, and she chose to step out in faith. And that's Mary's process of faith. That's Mary's process of faith. She received a promise, she saw some things, and she chose to step out. And really, that's not too different from our own. You see, an important step in every single one of our processes of faith, whether it's a first step of faith or a, or a second step of faith or a third step or a hundredth step, is um, to remember, I've received a promise. Each one of us in the room this morning has received a promise from God. His word, the Bible, is full of them. It's full of promises of God that are written for us, that are written to you. And I'm sure many of you have verses that are your promises. That when things are tough, when things are difficult, you go to those promises and you cling to them. I've got a few. And, and if, if um, in the book of John are, are some of my favorites, right? John 1 verse 12 says this. Yet to all who received him, uh, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Nothing has to separate us from God. Nothing has to separate us from his love. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, to redeem the world through him. You know, when we're at our lowest of lows, God doesn't want to beat us up anymore. He wants to pull us out. He wants to give us new life. And John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants an abundant life for you. God wants a life full of love and joy and peace. Whatever your circumstances are, Jesus wants a life uh, to the full for you. The, the Bible is full of promises. In John and in other books, I would encourage you to find yours, to hold on to them, and to remember them. Remember the promises that you received. And the next step, the next step for us, similar to Mary's, is to reflect on the times that I've seen something different. You see, I've seen things in my life that are different, and I'm sure many of you have too. Maybe it's an answered prayer for the health of a loved one. Maybe it's a moment of worship where you felt a close connection with God. Maybe it's in reading your Bible where you've seen uh, God's word come alive. I don't know what it is for you, but I, but I would challenge you to remember those times and to cherish them. Mary treasured those things in her heart. So when you feel those close moments with God, if you felt those close moments with God, remember them and don't forget. Um, and if, if you're struggling to come up with some of these, man, I just invite you to invite a close friend into your life to invite um, one, of the, one of the elders or deacons on staff here to come, to come into that and encourage you and walk with you in that. Because we're not meant to do this process alone. There's, there's a time where, I've, where I, um, there, there are a few times in my life where I can clearly know that I saw God move. Where I can clearly identify that this was God working in my life. And one of those times was actually on one of the most difficult days of my life. Um, the job that I worked at before North, Northgate, I was a student ministries pastor at a church in Santa Rosa. And I liked the church, and I wanted to be at the church, and I liked what I was doing and the ministry that I was building. Um, but there was just an underlying tension between um, me and some of the other people on staff and some of the leadership and the staff. And it wasn't a problem with anybody's character or competence. It just didn't, it just didn't mesh, and it just didn't fit, and it just wasn't right. Um, and, and I wanted to work it out, and I wanted to try, but I remember... Um, one morning, uh, I was waking up, and I had a meeting with my boss that morning. And I had a meeting. First thing with my boss was normal on a Friday morning to have a meeting with my boss. And so I wake up in the morning, um, and I, I had just gotten a dog. And I go, um, and I let my dog out of her cage. And as I let her out of the cage, I have this overwhelming sense that Jerry, you're going to get fired today. 
what? That, that's stupid. I have a boss, with my, a meeting with my boss. I don't want to go in jaded. I try and push that thought out of my mind. And then I'm, I'm, you know, playing with my dog in the morning and taking my shower and brushing my teeth, getting ready. Jerry, you're going to get fired today. And it's like, what? What? No, no, no. I'm not going to this meeting. And as I'm getting in my car, Jerry, you're going to get fired today. What in the world? Like, why does this feeling keep coming over me? Why can't I shake this? And then I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm thick-headed. I'm like, oh, maybe this is God telling me, <laughs> right? And sure enough, so I, so I say, okay, God, if this is you, I, 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 sure, if this is you, I'm going to lean into this. And so I start playing music, and I start going over verses in my head about God being peace and calm um, in the storm. And that, that, that that's what God wants to bring out of me. And he's a shelter, and he's a rock, and he's all of these things, and he's a firm foundation. And I'm playing these songs, and I'm reciting these verses and, and these promises. And then sure enough, I go into my meeting, and my boss is there. Um, the associate pastor is also there. And sure enough, he says, Jerry, we want to talk about your tenure. <laughs> And I remember sitting there, and if God had not prepped me for that, I don't know what my response would have been. I, w I definitely would have been angry. I definitely would have been hurt. And I don't know how I would have responded. But instead, because God had told me that, because I saw something different, I was able to respond and graciously say thank you for the opportunity, end of the meeting, shaking his hand. And, and, and we're not bitter with each other. We don't hate each other. We actually have talked since then um, and continue to get along, right? And, and that was a moment, that was a time that I will know for the rest of my life, that I've seen something different, that I've seen something different. And I write these times down, and I don't know what you do. I don't know what your um, process is, but I would, I would encourage you to remember these things, to treasure these things. Because when storms come, when hard times come, or when you sense God leading you to take a step out in faith, man, the catalyst for that is going to be remembering the promises that you've received, reflecting on the times that you've seen something different, and then choosing to step out in faith. And that's the last, the, the, the final step in our process of faith. Whether it's the first time through the cycle or the second time or the third time or the fourth time through the cycle, remembering I will take a step out in faith. I will take a step out in faith. And I can't tell you what that step is. I can't tell you what step you can take or what step you should take. But here's what I do know. Is on the other side of that, God has love and peace and blessing that he wants to give you. You see, Mary lacked peace and prosperity when she was lacking that wine. And she went to Jesus and she said, Jesus, this is my need. I don't know how you're going to show up. I don't know what you're going to do, but I need you to show up. And Jesus showed up in an amazing way. And here's what I do know. I don't know what your step of faith is, but I do know that Jesus wants to show up in an amazing way for you. You see, Mary could have sat back and she could have said, you know, I, I, I'm okay with what you've done in the past, God. I, 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 I signed up for, you know, raising Jesus to, you know, be the mother of Jesus. But now he's like 30. Like, isn't my part in this done? Like, I raised Jesus and I did, I, I played my part. Like, I don't have to step out anymore. What if Jesus doesn't come through? Then I'll be even more embarrassed. Like, no, I don't need to step out. Mary could have settled back with okay. She could have settled back with the past is good enough. But Mary didn't want to do that. Mary realized that there was something more. And so she went to Jesus and she took a step of faith. And she got to be a part of the disciples putting their faith in Jesus. The same disciples who started the church, who planted the church, and it then extends through the years. The same disciples that wrote the whole rest of the New Testament. Mary got to be a part of them putting their faith in Jesus. Because she remembered the promises of God, reflected on where she's seen something different, and she chose to step out in faith. So I challenge you this morning to remember the promises of God that you've received to reflect on where you've seen something different and then take a step out in faith and take a step in faith. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to end. 
Maybe it's a relationship that needs to start. Maybe it's forgiveness that needs to be given. Maybe it's a habit or addiction that for the first time you need to step out in faith and say, okay, I'm a mess. I need help with this. Maybe for you it's choosing to live generously. Maybe it's saying, okay, with my time, I'm going to give some of my time away to extend the kingdom of God. Maybe for you um, it's choosing to live generously with your finances. Maybe um, for some of you it's just choosing to open God's word and, and commit to reading God's word and spending time with God every day. I don't know what your step of faith is, but I do know that God has blessing and love and goodness on the other side of it because God always has had that, God always does have that, and God always will have that. So to close, I'll ask this question. How did you get here and where are you going? Where are you at right now? Whether you're on cloud nine and you're, you can celebrate what God's doing in your life or whether you're down in the dumps, man, how did you get here? And then where are you going? What's next for you? What's next for you if you're on cloud nine moving forward? How do you keep that momentum and keep that relationship with God close? What are you going to do to keep moving forward and chasing what God has for you? Or whether you're in a place where you're frustrated with your life and you're full of shame and anxiety and stress and you just want something different, well, how are you going to get that? Well, I challenge you that it's by remembering the promise that you've received, by reflecting on the times that you've seen something different, and then choosing to step out in faith. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're the God who was and the God who is and the God who will always be. God, I thank you that you don't change and that your love for us never changes. God, I thank you that you want what's best for us. God, I pray that we would remember that. God, I pray that we would remember the truths that are in your word, that we remember the promises that we've received. God, even when the world around us seems chaotic, and even when the world around us seems to be telling us a million different things, God, would we remember the truth that you say? And God, would we reflect on the times where we've seen something different? Even if right now all we see seems dark, God, I pray that the times that we've seen light, that we would remember those. God, that we would write those down, that we would treasure those things and those moments in our heart, and that we would remember those. And God, I pray that in light of all of that, God, that when you call us to something, God, that we would choose to step out in faith, that we would choose to step out in boldness, not be afraid, but be courageous. Because we know that you are the God who was and the God who is. We know that you're always faithful, that you're a good father who has good gifts for us. God, we love you so much.
So 